Well, isn't that awesome just to, just to know that God loves you, God cares for you, and that you can, through the communion, just have such a connection with God, knowing that as physical as what that body uh, or that bread that you eat there, that's how physical your salvation is. That's how real your salvation is. Uh, you know, if you've just slotted in, I want to welcome you to our live stream of Dynamic Web Church. Maybe you're watching this later on in the week. Uh, I want to just bring to attention that we do have a live stream, uh, you know, every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Um, that will be Eastern Standard Time or I would just say New York time, East Coast time uh, in the U.S. And then 3.30 uh, p.m. South African time. That is GMT plus two for you guys that are in Europe, uh, you know. So welcome uh, to this live stream. If you don't have a Grace Church in your area and you want a pastoral care, um, you know, and a, a fellowship and meet with people uh, that, that is fellowshipping in this grace and believe the grace message, uh, please go to our website and just click on, you know, um, the Web Church tab on the top and just connect with our office as well through, uh, uh, you know, contact us. Right, we're going to get right into the word for today. Today I'm going to talk about stability. And when we look at uh, the scripture in James, the Bible clearly says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you need wisdom of God, James says, pray of God, but know this, that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and what he receives, the wisdom he receives from being double-minded, will not be of God. And he'll be unstable in all his ways, and everything he does, <clears throat> uh, there will be an instability. So James clearly says, James chapter 1, I think it's about from verse 8, uh, he says there, you know, that if you need wisdom, now the context of James was the Jews that were going through a hard time being persecuted, you know, for, uh, you know, righteousness. And then they went back to Judaism and they basically believed that God was directing them back to Judaism and that the Lord, they would believe in the name of Jesus, but they would say, well, we believe in Jesus. And they went back to uh, legalism. Uh, because they, they had a belief that both of these things are correct. And that would be basically a mixture between grace and law. It's exactly what the Bible also talks about when it says that you are lukewarm. Where I would, where I would believe that warm would talk about believing in the grace and the love of God and faith in Christ and having salvation by Jesus Christ and only by Him and not your own effort. And then that would be warm and cold would be only believing in the law. Now, Jesus said, if you have only been cold, it would have been better than being lukewarm. Why would he say something like that? Lukewarm signifying mixture and Jesus saying, I will spew you out of my mouth. What does he mean by that? I think, you know, when he says, I will spew you out of my mouth, doesn't mean I detest you or I hate you. He just says that you will not be in my mouth anymore. In other words, uh, if you mix the two, you are not preaching my gospel. You are not representing my word and what I say. And it brings instability to your life. Now, these people went and they mixed the old with the new. And uh, that's why James also comes in the end of chapter 1, chapter 2, and he says, Faith without works 
is dead, saying, you can't say you believe in the good news of Jesus and that it's not by your works, yet you are circumcised, yet you are following all the customs of Moses, thinking through animal sacrifices and legalism, you're going to have life. Um, now, uh, if you need wisdom from God on how to go through a hard time, you might be going through a hard time. You know, you're, you don't have a job. Uh, you, uh, we've had somebody in our church now, you know Derek uh, well on the, um, on the web, that wasn't, he didn't have a, lot, a job for a hard time. And I could see him in that hard time, you know, uh, when he was seeking for wisdom, uh, you know, th that it's, the temptation is always there. Every person, when you're going through a hard time and you don't see what you think you're supposed to see in your life, uh, there's this thing of, you know, what have I done wrong? Um, you know, I've, I've now, I'm now leaving the old legalism way. For instance, say you're going through a hard time financially. Uh, you might think, well, I don't believe in tithing or sowing and reaping anymore. And it went well with me or fairly well with me, my business during that time. And now I'm in grace and I've, I don't believe in tithing or sowing and reaping now for, say, five years or two years or six months. And now I see a dip in my business. And now you go to God asking Him wisdom. This is what He says. If you need wisdom, um, you know, He will give you wisdom and He abradeth not. What that means is He'll give the wisdom for free and abradeth not means He will not go back and take account of the past. So to have stability in your life when you come go through a hard time, uh, the key is to when you ask God for wisdom not to, to have a heart that is open for legalism or law or what I must do to get the breakthrough. Uh, or a mind that believes that should I get the job, it means I'm blessed. Or should I not get the job, it means I'm cursed. Where we find Deuteronomy 28 basically with all its laws and its promises, uh, the foundation of uh, what we believe about God. Having all this mixed in with the gospel. So as a start, uh, when we look at James chapter 1 from verse 8 onwards, the 7, 8, 9, you will see that he says, he clearly says, if you go through a hard time, if you're persecuted for righteousness, if you're alone, you know, and this is especially why Web Church is here, uh, if you're alone, you uh, maybe left your church or you're in a church and you're trying to share grace and all of a sudden you're becoming the enemy of people, what must you do now? You know, how must you go about all these things? Uh, uh, Lord, have I do not done something wrong? I feel rejected. I feel pushed away. Whatever God is going to tell you to do will not be based on the old law system. It will only be based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, wherein you, um, wherein you are righteous, wherein you are holy, wherein you are washed, fully accepted. He's not going to tell you, you know, well, you know, now that you are in grace, now remember, you know, under the old, you, for instance, gave 10%. Now under the new, you're going to give more. So by grace will now empower you to do the old principle even better, then you're going to be blessed. That would not be the wisdom of God. And that kind of a thing will bring instability to your life. Uh, to give you a good example of that kind of a thing, I'm going to just use, a, uh, use something in my life. If I find my identity in uh, how many people join Web Church, 
or how many people slot in, how many live visitors we have, or how many people come to my services in Malmesbury or in uh, Durbanville. And I've, I've still got a, a belief that says, say big numbers equals blessedness and small numbers, small amount of people equals not blessed by God. If my heart still believes in that somewhere in my life, and I need wisdom from God, you know, then I will have a voice that says, Bertie, you are the blessed. And I also have, will have a voice that says, you'll better work hard to make this thing work. And there will be an instability in my emotions, an instability in how I interpret scripture, an instability emotionally when I look at the people that come to church or don't come to church. Um, and, and that will just be not what God has for us. Let us go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And we're just going to, oh, sorry, Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Um, and we're going to just look at Peter uh, and what Jesus said to Peter. Um, here he says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say I, um, I the son of man am? And they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter asked, answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, I say unto you, and, and listen to this, that you are Peter, and upon this rock, what rock is he talking about here? The revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Upon this unmovable, unshakable rock, I will build my church, and that is us. He's going to build us on something that cannot be shaken, which is what? Which is the revelation that Jesus, that this is the revelation let me go back. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The revelation that the Son of Man is the Son of God, which is the Christ, meaning in Judaism, that this means that a human represents God in the Trinity and that He is the Messiah that saves from all oppression and that includes all people for He represents mankind in the Trinity on that rock and everything that we can conclude from that, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man, isn't that awesome? So here we see something more about stability. We see that stability comes from the revelation that Christ um, is a man, yet the Son of God. What does that mean? What's significant about that? It talks about our union with God as humans. We are fully united with God. And if I say that the Son of Man is the Son of God, it means that a human is also the Son of God. And that human was Jesus. And He came as the last Adam, and you've heard me preach this in every service, representing all of mankind, and we are united in Him. Because human flesh is seated in the Trinity, 
it represents all humans. Now, from, from, from that foundation, we start to listen and hear and have emotional stability and all those kind of things. And that's what brings stability to your life. We must realize that the Bible says, out of the heart flows the force that drives your life. As you believe, so are you. And, um, you know, uh, l- let me testify about this. I know myself. I know how I would react towards certain things and, and what would make me angry and what wouldn't make me angry. And um, uh, I was in Potitisris this uh, last weekend, uh, Mokopani. It's now called Mokopani since the New South Africa. They changed the name. Uh, and this is, a, is, is an area where the old Buramach, you know, comes from, which were the, the people that were really against the apartheid system, big into racism and all those kind of things uh, come from. And uh, just wonderful, awesome people. I fellowshiped with them. It is the greatest people, such kind-hearted people. It's amazing to see a big farmer just standing, you know, a Bursian, we would call him in Afrikaans, just crying, weeping with the love of God, flooding his heart and all those kind of things. But while I was there, you know, I got a rental, a rental car from, from the airport, drove there and uh, went into the shop, uh, parked in the main road, went into the shop. And as I was in the shop, I just heard a bang outside and there was a massive semi-truck that came past and there was a, a door on the trailer that was open and just bashed the side of the car in um, you know uh, and <laughs> I mean and this he was just driving down the road with that open door next to some cars and stuff so I quickly jumped in the car followed after him stopped the guy and when he got out you know and I looked at him I just had such a compassion it was as if my emotions were so stable in that situation because all of a sudden you know when I looked at him because the belief in my heart over time the Holy Spirit started to just renew this belief you know and and my heart starts to believe what God believes when I looked at him I didn't think well I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor and I should behave and someone else could just come past here and I'm the guest speaker in town and my my pictures of me is up all over the place and I need to behave because I'm a... Po- I, I didn't even think I need to behave because I'm a guest speaker or I'm a preacher. Uh, when he got out of that vehicle, I looked at him and I thought, this guy is God's destiny. This is where God wants to live. This is what God... He is who God always had in mind. When Jesus hung upon the cross, he was thinking of this guy... Maybe it's negligence or what he did could have even killed somebody. It doesn't matter. I, I just It was as if I couldn't connect the guy to the wrong that happened, you know. Yes, we went to the police, we filed a report, we've got the insurances that's going to pay out and, and all those kind of things. But the, um, you know, the, the emotion that I felt there was, I was saying, saying, God, thank you. You know, this grace, this grace thing works. It brings forth what God feels in that moment. But it has come to my life uh, in a place where, uh, where I had to come to a place where I say, there is no other truth but the only truth, which is Jesus about my life. When we come to a place where we radically believe that 
legalism has got no bearing on us, that I am fully united with Christ in God, seated at the right hand of the Father, when I see that, when, I, when, when, I, when that becomes my only truth, I find that from that truth, stability comes. And let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, uh, let's read it first from uh, you know, our normal uh, King James here. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, now I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul here and just this stability in his life and then we're going to go over uh, into what he says on how to have stability. Uh, Ephesians 4.1 it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation uh, wherewith you are called with all lowliness and meekness, uh, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Okay, it says here, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. Now that to me is absolutely amazing. He says, I the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. Now what I see there is that he's not ashamed to be a prisoner. And I also see there that uh, his emotions and his view about people and who they really are hasn't changed. He says, listen, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And I want to beseech you, Gentiles, if I want to put it that way, that um, I want to beseech you that you should walk worthy of who you really are. Accept with meekness who you really are. Now, what I've done, and uh, many of you know that I'm busy translating uh, Ephesians, and that translation, I wouldn't say it's a translation from the Greek or anything like that. It's just my understanding in words, in verse form. And you can just see what I think the context there is and what was in the heart of Paul when he wrote that. And I'm going to read to you Ephesians 4 and just look at this outstanding stability in the life of Paul. And just hear what I see in, in him saying, well, even if I'm a prisoner, I can still uh, beseech you, walk worthy of who you are. You can see he's still having that deep belief in him. And um, this is what I believe the stability, the stability I talk about is all about. He says, although I am in jail, it does not move what I believe about him in what he has done for me or for you. Being locked up in jail does not become the reality of who I am and what he has accomplished in me in Christ. From this stable, unmovable platform in him, I give my advice. You have been called unto perfect union with him. A place where who you are finds its origin in him and not your ethnicity or works. You see how he protects the church. How he knows. Listen man, there will come some preachers that want to tell these people it's about works, it's about ethnicity, it's about all those kind of things. He says, listen man, you know, I'm in jail here as a prisoner. Walk worthy of who you are. This is not a works thing. It's not an ethnicity thing. And then he goes on, he says, Let this reality be the foundation of your walk in this life. Walk according to this truth and nothing else. And I'm going to first read verse 2 for you, just from the um, normal uh, uh, King James here. It says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, my translation of verse 2 is out of the context of chapter 1, 2, 3. And this is how I see this. He says, this walk I talk about is earmarked by humbly accepting his view about you and others as the only truth. 
standing in full agreement with God. This walk that the Apostle Paul talks about, when he says humbly, all lowliness and meekness. Now when the Bible talks about lowliness or meekness, he talks about a humble heart, a heart that is willing to easily agree. That's not difficult for you to agree with someone else. And he says, walk worthy of your calling with all lowliness. You know, don't try and say, well, I'm a Jew, I am higher. No, don't say that. Don't say, well, I'm a Gentile, I'm tired of these Jews. Don't say that. Rather say what God says. Let me read my translation of this again. This, this, walk, I talk, uh, sorry, this walk I talk about is earmarked by humbly accepting his view about you and others. Now, that's very important. That's what he's talking about there in its true context. As the only truth standing in full agreement with God. It is a walk where you, uh, where you made peace with the fact that He made peace with you as well as with others, resulting in a life of leniency and unity between you and all people. A life, a life where, um, where the hope of eternal life found in the union you have with God in Christ, ending up in immortality, is so stable that not, not even time or persecution can move you from your hope in Him. So what he's saying, he says, endeavor to follow after the unity of the faith. You know, there's only one truth, the next verse says. Let's go to verse 3 and, and we're going to just look at verse 3 there. It says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What is he talking about here? He says, guys, and we're going to see in verse 14 later on today, that he wants people to be stable. And he says, endeavor. That endeavor means to give, uh, uh, to, 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 to yield to, to make an effort with, to keep the unity of the Spirit. What is the unity of the Spirit? What does he talk about there? Under the law, there was division between Jew and Gentile, and the focus was on law, and the focus was not on uh, and the focus was on flesh, Ju Judaism, and human effort. Now he says, in Christ, remember chapter 3, the previous services we preached, that he ended the old man and made one new man. Now, the Spirit is that which gives us a brand new life. And if the Spirit is that which gives us a brand new life, there is now peace and harmony between us and God because the wall of separation, which was the law, the enmity, was nailed to the cross and taken out of the way. So now, keep the unity of the Spirit. See all as uh, united in one man and that the one man was nailed to the cross. Okay, now listen to this. Now he comes to this one man nailed to the cross. There is one body, one Spirit, even as we are called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, isn't that awesome? What he comes and he says, he says, listen. And he's laying the foundation for, I think it's verse 14 there, we will read it now, where he talks about true stability, where we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You must realize that true stability is found in uh, having stability doctrinally. The Bible says the heart is the seat of our emotions. The heart is the seat of, 
of that which flows out in our lives. Now, if you have, if you're double-minded, if you've got a law mind, like we started today, and a grace mind, it's two minds. It's unstable in belief, and it will bring mixed feelings, mixed voices, many voices in your head uh, when you try and hear the voice of God and all those kind of things. So here he comes and he says, listen guys, and he is preparing these people for, for Judaizers that will come here. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, listen guys, um, we can't mix law and spirit. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit. Now we've made that I don't know even church, we were just talking about the unity of the Spirit, meaning everybody prays in tongues. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the doctrine that says we are now in the dispensation where the Holy Spirit is the one that brings forth the fruit and we don't bring it forth by our works. Therefore, there is no more Jew, no more Gentile, no more seeking after the law, but we are co-seated with God in Christ because of what he's done. That is the only message there is. The message that Jesus represents all of mankind and that whosoever believes this can be saved from the power of the flesh by the Spirit raising them up in a new life. So it's so important to have stability in your belief. And here we can say, endeavor to keep the unity. And now he explains the unity of the Spirit. He says there's only one body. There was only one Jesus. He represented all of mankind. He didn't only represent the Christian. He represents mankind. Hallelujah. That's why in my heart, when I looked at that truck driver that, uh, um, you know, was, I mean, it's just crazy. Why don't you close that door properly? And if it's not fixed, why don't you make a plan? He was just saying, well, it gives problems and that's what happens, you know. And I mean, it cost me 5,000 Rand to, to, for, for that, like $500 for that, um, because of the excess I had to pay on the cars, on the, on the insurance. But all of that, you know, it was as if my mind wouldn't register um, that and account that to him. I would just say, well, this is, this is how things is and people do those things. And, and um, you know, my life cannot be born from this. And I'm just so amazed to see the power of this grace. And um, that is available for all of us. So when we see this one body, he, Jesus died that man's death as well. Your life changes to a radical new truth and a radical new platform from where life is born. He goes on, he says there, uh, there's only one spirit. There's only one principle of life by which God lives. He only lives in the spirit of what he's done for you. There's only one way wherein you can have life and that is by the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And that's available for Jew, Gentile, whatever. So don't, let us not mix law. Let us not mix Judaism in with grace. That's what he's saying there. Now today, I don't think the Judaism thing is that big problem in the church. It is a little bit, you know, people make a massive thing of Israel and all of that. Although I love Israel and, you know, we love those people and we want to see nobody bullied by anybody. You know, so, uh, but we love all people. And you've heard that message that I preached two Sundays ago. So there he says, one spirit, uh, one hope of your calling. There's only one hope that we can have. And that hope is that the spirit will raise up newness of life in our lives, in the here and now. And that the spirit will make us immortal in the return of Christ, not by our works. 
And he says, just have this one thing, one, 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 one. And then he says, there's only one God and Father of our Lord Jesus. One Lord, one faith. Let me not, not miss that. One Lord. There's only one that came to serve you with his life. It's Jesus. Forget about Moses. Forget about Elijah and all those people. The one that came to serve you is Jesus. The final word, my friend, I said this uh, uh, this weekend when I preached in uh, Mokopani as well, and I want to say this to you. The final word about your life, the correct interpretation of all Scripture, is Jesus Himself, what He did on earth, and what He accomplished in His resurrection, and where He is seated now is the correct interpretation. When you look at that, that is where all cor Scripture correctly interpreted, it will conclude that. Jesus is the Word of God. So if you read any word in the Bible, anywhere in the New Testament, and it's outside of, there's a human seated in the Godhead representing you that took away the sin of the world, that took the sin upon Him, ended it all, representing you that you can have access by faith into this grace, my friend, it is not the correct interpretation. Anything that spells your disqualification, where it, where it says you don't have access to righteousness, you don't have access to holiness as a free gift, that you don't have access to His quality of life effortlessly, I want to tell you, my friend, it's not the correct interpretation. Anything that wants to separate you and make you uh, make God distant from you, it's not the correct interpretation. There's only one that came and served you. One Lord. One faith. There's only one faith. And that is what God believes. What He's persuaded of. And that persuasion is now made available for every human to be persuaded of the very same persuasion. Do you see this rock that I talked about? Do you see that how we take the double-mindedness out now and what Paul is doing this, how he's doing this here? Only one baptism. You know, in South Africa we've got the AFM church. They baptize three times. Then they put you in in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Then you get the other Pentecostal churches. You know, they just baptize you once in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Then other people, they only baptize in the name of Jesus. And others baptize babies. Now, you know, there's only one baptism, and it's not water baptism. It's one baptism. We've been baptized into the death of Christ. So that we can declare that if one died, that all has died. That is what he says there. And then one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one God and Father. I'm going to show you a video clip quickly, and you might have seen this before. This is about... Um, I think the guy's name is Ray. Can you Bola? I forgot the guy's name now. You will, uh, you will see it. Um, he's an athlete, and then in the Olympics, he was running. You know, Derek is his name, uh, and he was running and tore a muscle. And then his father came in and helped him. We're going to just watch that, and we're going to just see uh, how a father helps his son, and how his son's disqualification, and how his son when he loses the race. Couldn't change who the father is. Now, and then I'm going to talk about one father uh, that we have. Let me just see. I want to. I hope it's the right one.
Well, isn't that just absolutely heartwarming? You know, it just warms my heart when I see what is, um, you know, what has happened there. Uh, we've, there's only one God and Father. And if He wants to believe in your life, let us make up our minds that there's only one God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The Father that we deal with is the one that passionately looks at us. That, uh, um, that's, that's kind of obsessed with us, that wants us to be with him, that is a father that cares about his children, wants to share his kingdom with us. One that, excuse me, one that even if we are in a race and we, um, we, we tear a muscle, and that's exactly what I believe happened to Adam. He tried to buy his own flesh, do it, and he tore the muscle. The flesh wasn't strong enough to carry him across the finish line. And even if he was the favorite to win the race, he couldn't do it. Um, but then the Abba comes, the Father comes. And what he does is he fights off all the, uh, uh, the, the people who want to stop him from helping his own son. And God came and he fought off everything that would want to stop him. And even today, you know, he's sending out preachers and he's sending out people to stop anything uh, that is in your way from Him helping you. He wants to help you, wants to assist you. He's there for you. You know what the most awesome thing of that race is that Derek is known and his father is known, but the guy who won the race, we don't even know who he is. Uh, but we know about this incident. And the, the, the guy who went over the finishing line, they don't even know him. They, I think all the eyes were just fixed on a father helping his son. Why is it like that? Because that speaks the language of our design. That speaks the language of who you are. And that's the father you have to do with. So don't be open to, uh, let your heart be open to any message where the father is put in a bad light. You know, he is only good. Now, we're going to have to end this off um, I'm going to go to, let's go to Ephesians there again um, and just read from verse 11. Let, let us just read here verse, um, verse 8. It's, verse 8 is important. Says, Wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto man. He ascended to heaven, he led captivity captive and gave gifts gifts unto men. Now, if you read that in the cross-reference, uh, I see I don't have my cross-reference here. Sorry about that. Um, you see here, there it is. Here is the cross-reference. Cross-reference, it says, you have ascended on high and have led captivity captive. You have received gifts for men. In other words, he, he got something from the Father and he's giving it to man. Yes, for the rebellious also. These gifts are for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell amongst them. So here he says that he led cap captivity captive for the sole purpose that he could, um, could dwell among you. And he gave gifts. What is this gifts that he gave? This gift is not just the apostle and the prophet and those kind of things. No. Uh, the gifts that he gave is the Holy, the Holy Spirit and righteousness for every human being. Now he that descended, which is it, but also he that also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended in this is the same also as he that ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. There's one verse that I still want to read here, um, verse 7. But unto every man, every one of us, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So here he says, 
grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ is given unto us. He led captivity captive and gave this the gifts. What is this gifts? These gifts is the grace, the mercy, the kindness, righteousness is a free gift, holiness to every man. And he also gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now I've always heard that, and I've preached it, that he gave the saints, he gave the, he gave, uh, the preachers, to preach to the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry. That is not the truth, my friend. That is simply not the truth. What it says there is that Christ came and He gave these gifts. He gave grace gifts to people. He's graced you with holiness. He's graced you with righteousness. He's graced you with everything. And then He also gave with these gifts, some of the gifts would be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. For what purpose? For perfecting you in understanding and believing what you freely received in Christ. Uh, these guys are given for the work of the ministry. So in other words, I am there for the work of the ministry. What is the ministry? It's the ministration of reconciliation to witness and to testify that God has reconciled all of man unto him by not imputing their trespasses unto them and then as amba an ambassador of God to plea with you to have you in your heart reconciled unto God by believing and accepting the reconciliation that he he has and to minister this truth to you so that you can be established in this doctrine so that stability can come to your belief because once stability comes to your belief it says there till we come to the unity of the faith until we come to the unity that the faith talks about what is the unity of the faith that God united him with man that is the unity of the faith, till all can come to that understanding, the unity of the faith. That's verse 13. It says, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. If you can come, He wants you to come unto a perfect man, where you see yourself fully united with Christ, where you believe in the unshakable truth of your union with God. And from there, the Bible says, we will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And guess what? If you cannot be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and you have your heart established by continually hearing and listening to the unconditional love to... Um, and, and, and I, I don't want to try and advertise myself, but by coming to web church here and listening to these messages, even afterwards in the archive, what you have is you have, you have somebody that's going to continue to point you and there are other preachers as well that will continually point you only to one thing and that is Christ and your unity with him to the point that you come to the, the measure of the fullness of Christ and you understand what it is all about and your heart is flooded with it your mind is flooded with it and stability comes to your life that's what it's all about my friend and that to me is how we have stability in this life Glory to God. Let us just look at that verse once again. Verse 13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. He wants you to come to what God, the Son of God knows and what can be known on account of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Remember, we have received of His fullness. Grace for grace, the Bible says as well. Verse 14, that henceforth, that from now on, you be no more children tossed to and fro. Children, people who live by legalism. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by sly men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up unto him in all things. I end off with this. What does speaking the truth in love really mean? There's only one truth. That is Jesus. And that truth is inside the Abba's love. The only way you can ever be established, established is by hearing the truth, which is Jesus about your life, which is inside our Abba's love, the one that would get onto that racetrack and help you and assist you when you are lost and help you and bring you over the finishing line, carrying you, bringing glory to you. Isn't that awesome? So my friends, I, um, I would encourage you to go and listen to this message again and have your heart established in this truth. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for everybody that is watching me online right now in the live stream as well as everybody watching this in the archive in this week to come and in the years to come. I thank you, my Abba, that you just bring such a stable life to each one of them by loving them, embracing them. Thank you for anointing me in such a powerful way, Lord, and even in greater ways to minister your word with such power that your people can be established. Thank you that they will believe that I am not higher than them, but that they, they all of us, have received of the same Christ, the same gift, the same thing to believe. Yet one person is maybe just somebody that has been gifted in articulating it and teaching it so that we can understand the dimensions of it. So, so Father, I also want to thank you for the opportunity that you have given me to serve everyone that watches today and that comes to this website. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. I love you, my Abba. I pray for every person that's got sickness in his body, every person that's got stress, Every person that's got financial difficulty, uh, family difficulties, that's lonely, that doesn't have friends that they can link to, I thank you, Father, that you just bring stability to their belief and that it will manifest in their lives. I thank you that you just heal people. I just see somebody crying right now. I just want to say you are healed in your heart. Our Abba embraces you. We love you. Uh, you are safe in the cross. It's, we, we're helping you to build that house where the wood we take from the mountain, the cross, that you can be safe in Jesus, safe in the cross, and that your mind will be, will be established. I just feel prophetically to say, for people watching now, the rejection you've experienced from your family or your parents or your mother, you know, I just, I just feel something like that, can never can never be more powerful than the acceptance of your Abba. Your mom has also been rejected, but Christ also accepts her and you. There's a brand new life for you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for everybody that watched, everybody that supports us. 
uh, go and share this. Let's tell people about this web church. We would like to impact thousands of people this way in Jesus' mighty name. Don't forget to like this later on today or to just, what is even more powerful is if you put a comment uh, on that and uh, attach a friend's name or something. We want people to hear this. Thank you so much and God bless you.